What in the world is Baldur's Gate 3? And what do parents need to know about it? We're going to answer those questions today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, if you have gamers in the house, or Dungeons & Dragons fans for that matter, you may have heard them talking about a new fantasy role-playing game called Baldur's Gate 3. And it invites players into a really immersive sword and sorcery kind of story. There's some expected content issues here, you know, the kind of stuff when you start talking about D&D that you would think you would have to navigate, violence, magic, that sort of thing. But there are some other things we think you're going to want to know about here that both reflect and reinforce some very real-world values that have to do with sexuality and identity. And Bob Hoos and Kennedy Unthank will help us unpack that conversation. Those themes actually turn up in our second segment, too, and Kristen Smith will join us to talk about Olivia Rodrigo's newest single, Bad Idea, right? Rodrigo throws caution to the wind as she makes some reckless choices, and Kristen will help us think through how we help our kids think about a song like this and an artist like this. And a bit later in the show, we'll be playing yet another round of our game, Name That Movie. So I hope you guys are ready to go with that. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to leave us a review too because that really helps people know what to expect when they listen to The Plugged In Show. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Bob Hoos and Kennedy Unthank. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello there, boss man. Hello there, Bob man. So (laughs) we're going to be talking about a role-playing game today. What was the first role-playing game? And it can be tabletop or a video game or Mm. some imaginary derivative from your childhood that you ever played. What do you think, guys? You want to go first? Yeah, sure. You know, I actually um, I love the enthusiasm, Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I had to look up. What constituted an actual role-playing game? Okay. Well, do you want thinking, to define it for us as long as we're, you know, well, talking I don't about know. it? Well, I, I looked at all the definitions. It was very long. Generally, it seemed to be about customization okay. and being able to fill uh, different classes or, or whatever. Um, and a, lot, a lot of times it's turn-based battles, yeah, that, that, that sort of thing, too. Yep. Um, but because I, I got really in the weeds and I was like, well, in chess, you're technically like role-playing as a general. So, uh, <laughs> or Stratego, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but chess yeah, is so not I a role playing game. I don't think by anybody's definition. No, no. But I, I think if I was going to pick one that I would probably classify as a role playing game, I think my first one was Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Um, okay. In that game, you play as the commander of a little space army. Um, you get to run around, decide whether or not you want to be the good guy or the bad guy, make good decisions or bad decisions, and ultimately, hopefully, save the universe. Okay. Mr. Hoos? And my RPG uh, memories go way back. <laughs> I, uh, my, my Yours f- is almost like a prior life, That's right. right. <laughs> I, my, my first RPG was actually a JRPG. Which and is what? A Japanese. Okay. Japanese RPG. It was a Sega game called Shining Force. Ooh. And, uh, and this was a game that's sort of back when you had those little 8-bit games with yeah. pixelated characters and that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, but I'll tell you... When you couldn't see it very well, <laughs> the game makers had to rely on actually making a really good game. And even today, the Shining Force games 
play well. I okay. mean, they hang in there. And the great thing about an old sort of muddy, pixelated game like that anyway is that no matter what you've got in it, there's nothing really all that offensive to see. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could have characters running around naked and you couldn't tell. Let's hear it for 8-bit games, That's right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the worst that you could say is the pixels are skin colored. Yeah, they're, they're good. <laughs> well, for me, I actually started playing Dungeons & Dragons in junior high. So the board that, game? The board the game, the tabletop game. And the first video game I ever played, uh, my dad was a real early adopter. So we had an IBM PC XT in like hmm. 1984 or 85. Hmm. Uh, would have been later than that, actually, because I think, well, never mind. I digress. That's another question for another <laughs> time. What was your first PC? Um, and I got a game called Exodus Ultima 4. Hmm. Uh, and I know the Ultima franchise was around a long time. It's a little bit like Final Fantasy, you know. It's just they just keep adding Roman numerals to it. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, a fantasy role playing game that uh, ultimately was extraordinarily disappointing to me, like on every level. Uh, it was there was a lot of text-based stuff which was true of those early role-playing games mm. on pc yeah yeah they were as much about you know the text-based story as they were about anything graphical but i wanted something with a little bit more action and it it just didn't i remember it not working very well <laughs> didn't satisfy your youthful uh, my my youthful urges. desire this game isn't realistic yeah. this game's not realistic but what a great segue that is mm -hmm. because Fast forward four decades-ish or so, and we are at a point with games being made that are incredibly realistic. And mm. this one today that we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the game and we're going to talk about some trends with gaming in general and how it is both, as I said in the introduction, reflecting and reinforcing values in right. the real world. So um, my son and I, my son has been playing Baldur's Gate 3, and we have been talking about it, so that will inform some of my contribution to this conversation. Um, but we were talking about it the other day, and my daughter's like, is this a game for bald people? And I said, no, it's not a game for bald people. And she, of course, thought she was very clever. Uh, Although I'm sure there are a lot of bald people I playing it. I am almost certain that you're right about that. Balding game. Exactly. So what is Baldur's Gate 3 about? Let's start well, with the assumption that a lot of parents have no idea. We probably ought to start by talking at least in a basic sense about yeah. Dungeons and Dragons because yeah. you brought that up. Absolutely. And there may be some people that have never heard of it before. Yep. And it, it actually started out as a tabletop game, a game that um that people it started back in the seventies. Right. And it it was this fantasy action game um that that took place in a fantasy realm where you're you're sort of exploring dungeons and you're going underground into these deep caverns and you're trying to find treasure and things like that. Mm -hmm. Some sort of quest. Yeah. And you and generally the the Dungeons and Dragons game had a dungeon master right. who sort of laid out this story for you and helped you through. Yep. So it was all imaginary. Right. Um and when it first came out, there were a lot of people concerned about it. You know, yeah. they, they had this sense that this game, this tabletop imaginary game, was was ushering kids into you know, Satan worship. You know, yeah. where there were there were just these these fears that it was going to be something much more 
dark and nasty yep. as and, compared to the fantasy. And back in uh, episode 175 of the Plugged In Show, we actually yep. unpacked a lot of that. Um, so if you want to learn more about just our overarching view of Dungeons and Dragons in general, right. that would be a great episode to, to listen to as well. Yeah. So anyway, this game is kind of based on that whole idea yeah. where it, it creates this fantasy world. It's not, as I said in my review, it's not satanic. Okay. But there is some really dark elements here. You know, there's that dark spiritual element side of things yeah. that uh, the parents should definitely be aware of. But we can talk more about the negatives in a bit. So let's just talk about the, first of all, the setup of the game. Yeah. Kennedy, I've been jabbering. You, why don't you tell us? What's the setup of Baldur's Gate 3? Yeah. So uh, if you don't know, Baldur's Gate is one of the biggest well-known cities in the D&D world of uh, Faerun. Um, and so that's where a good portion of the game will take place. That's why it's called Baldur's Gate 3. Um, but essentially <laughs> what has happened to your character, whoever you decide to play as, um, you are currently on a Mind Flayer ship. Now Mind Flayer, there are these creatures that like to uh, put these little worms into your brain and eventually these worms will uh, grow as parasites inside of you until you become a mind flayer yourself. So there's and something that- And you sort that, of join the mind flayer yeah. collective. Yes. And, and by Hive the way, these mind. these mind flayers are like humanoid characters with octopus tentacles on their face, that yep. sort of thing. And they have these mind powers and mm-hmm. all that yeah. sort of thing. But that's-, that's They the, kind of look like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, 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 sort of like that. But that's the thrust of the game that okay. you've been pulled onto this ship- the ship was attacked, it's crashed, and you have, as Kennedy was saying, this little worm-like tadpole that's burrowing itself into your brain. And I you've got hate f- when that happens. I know. I mean, it wasn't good in Star Trek Two, and it's not good here. You, you and other characters that were on that ship have got to uh, find a way to get rid of those, while at the same time sort of stopping this overall... Infestation? Yes, yes, that where, <laughs> where the mind flares are trying to take over everything. Yeah, so it starts as most D&D campaigns do. It starts off pretty relatively small where it's like, oh, I need to go find a doctor. And then it ends with you saving the world. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So some of what I have read and seen is that this is a fairly faithful reproduction of what you would find in a tabletop experience. And even though people have tried to create games like that before they're actually two different mediums so it's pretty hard to pull off right but um it seems like part of the appeal here is to hardcore dungeons and dragons fans who want a realistic digital experience is that fair to to summarize i think that's absolutely true i think that part of the reason why the game has been doing so well is twofold i think the first reason is because the uh, larian studios the the company behind the game uh, they previously made games called Divinity, uh, Divinity 1 and 2, okay. um, and they were very similar uh, in style. So they were pretty much pretty well set up uh, to make a game for Dungeons & Dragons. I think the other side of that as well is that even though it is a Dungeons & Dragons uh, game, it is quite accessible for someone who mm. has never played Dungeons & Dragons before. Okay, uh, They give you a lot of... Uh, really good tutorials on how do spell slots work? How does combat work? What's a bonus action? You know, mm-hmm. um, so they really help you out with that, which I think helps with the appeal. But as far as the tie to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, how do they do that physically? They essentially establish the fact that when you do important 
moves, uh, important battle moves or important choices, um, you have to roll a die. So it's turn-based, just yes. like a Yes, but you have to roll this, this 20-sided die, right. and the number that comes out will determine whether or not you win or fail. Okay. And sometimes when you fail, it could be at the absolute worst moment, <laughs> you know, and you're sort of locked into that. So in a way, that's the uh, the fun of the game, along with things like, and Kennedy hinted at this, but you've got all these different races and classes that you can choose from when you're creating your character. You've got the ability to create these very unique feeling characters, which then allows you to go back, start again, when if you've played through, go back, start again, create a completely different character, and it gives the game a totally different feel as you progress forward. Well, and I think you guys are both gamers, both personally and professionally. Yeah. How does it work as a game? I mean, just in terms of, do you want to keep playing it? Because I think when we talk about parents who have kids that are interested, that's a real consideration. Yeah. You know, if you have a game that takes 50 or 60 or 100 hours to play through and they want to do it multiple times, Man, that's a huge amount of exposure to anything that's going on in that game. And that is definitely a huge part of this game. Um, I mean, it's very immersive, rich, deep story that heads out in any number of directions. As I said, for the replayable sort of thing, you've got all these side quests. You've got, I mean, there are literally hundreds of... Of hours. In fact, I, I read somewhere that there's 107 of just cinematics. Yeah. 107 hours of just yeah. cinematics. So it's 50 movies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if we want to do the math on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it there's there's a lot, a lot here. And part of it is that choice side of things. You make so many different choices that shape your character and shape where he or she is going. Okay. And on, on top of that, if we're adding to how big this game is, there are some things that you can only do if you are a certain class or even a certain race. So like if I was going to talk to someone who is a tiefling, that's like one of these like devil creatures, maybe they're going to respond to me better if I'm also a tiefling. But if I'm someone who they don't like, like one of these other races that they're not too fond of, they might not even care to talk to me. So right. you have even that as uh, a more immersive and just makes the game so much bigger in that and, regard, too. And by too. the way, I should mention, you know, we were talking about how popular this is. Mm -hmm. In the first weekend, gamers flocked in and clocked. Now listen to this, a total, a collective total of 1,225 years of play in one weekend. So that's how Holy many cow. how many people were playing and how many hours they played. When you put it all together, it's over a thousand years of play. In three, three crazy. days. In three days. Wow, that is a pretty staggering number. I thought you were going to go in the millions or billions, but when we start talking about <laughs> you know, years, I'm like thinking light years, you know, yeah, it, it yeah. feels like science fiction. So um, next to sort of stacking questions, what is this game rated and what kind of content, you know, earns that rating? Well, it's M rated. Okay. Um, and and I M think, for mature, which yes, uh, we I assume think, people know what that means, I think but it's, it's worth flushing out. that people know what that means. I think it, it's important that parents take that in consideration, especially as how popular this game is. If you've got a young teen, they're not supposed to be playing this. And there are a lot of real solid 
reasons why they shouldn't. Um, and you know, what are those? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, that feels like a good segue into content. Sure, sure. I mean, you can step back. I think we're in this post-Harry Potter age where we, yeah. we recognize magic and fantasy and all those things are not the same as biblical darkness. Satanism. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's still a lot there. There's still a lot of people doing magical things and these demon-like characters that pop up. You've got people that are transforming into animals and attacking others, things like that. You know, you're going to face that sort of stuff in there. That's one thing that's sort of expected. And that has to do with worldview as much as maybe yes. actual content. That's right. Sort of the background. That's what right. Else? And then, of course, there's the violence you will find a lot of scenes that are very bloody. Okay. Now, okay, in the battle scenes, maybe it's just pools of blood right. is, is the worst of it, but there are cut scenes where it's pretty nasty. Um, there's this one particular character that you can play. It's a dragon-born character. Mm -hmm. And they're and basically it, like humanoids that have, yeah, it's sort of they like, look like dragons. He's got a dragon head, dragon that sort head. of thing. And he's called the Dark Urge, I believe. And um, And he's got a problem. And you can choose. He's one of the origin characters. You can choose to play as yourself. But he's got this problem, this sort of bloodlust about him. And there are times when he'll sort of black out and wake up, and there's this torn open corpse in oh, front of him. Oh, the classic werewolf trope, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, but this is dark, very spilling entrails sort of Ooh. stuff. It's really pretty uh, raw. Okay. Well, I know when we talk about M-rated games, these days we often have sexual content that we have to wade into. And if you haven't like been around video games much in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, you might be shocked how much sexual content does show up. Uh, and I think there are a couple different layers of the conversation with regard to that that we need to have here as well. And it yeah. goes all the way back to character creation. So why don't you unpack what's going on here that makes this uh, a newsworthy game, I think I will say. Yeah, so I mean, it's not a new thing that, that games have had nudity in them. I think it is more of a new thing when the games that have nudity in them are really popular. Yeah. So, for instance, in this game, this is uh, in Baldur's Gate, you can customize your character. And as a quick disclaimer, at the very start, the first time you boot up the game, it will ask you straight up, do you want to see nudity or not? But if you say that you're fine seeing nudity, then you're locked in. You can go in and change it later. But from that point on, you might get surprised. Okay. Uh, and the first time you might get surprised is in the character creation um, because there is a whole section on customizing what genitalia your character has. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's, it's full body nudity. Wow. Uh, With character creation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, so, and then later on in the game, uh, you can take off all of your character's clothes. Uh, you can... Uh, have sexual relations with uh, other people, uh, man on man, woman on woman included, uh, even person transformed into a bear on person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I mentioned the origin character thing. Yeah. There's this set of characters who were all uh, on the same ship with you, but you don't know that until later. And you run a... Spoiler warning. You run across them in the in the course of your journey, and they say, well, I'll help you out. And they go to your camp you can travel with three other characters as sort of your sidekicks. But when you go to camp, you could have maybe all 10 of them in there if you meet them all. And you also can control what they're wearing. 
So literally, when you go to camp, and you have to go to camp on a regular basis just to heal, when you go to camp, you can have every single one of those characters stark naked, walking around and interacting with each other. And also, when you're creating character, you can mess with the genders a little bit too. So you can have a mixed gender character kind of a hermaphrodite right it's part female part male wow uh and very as as i said very graphic the thing is that this game you know you were saying that there are other games that have nudity but this Mm. one this one seems to be sort of pushing that envelope getting to the point especially when you have the romance sections when they're doing things that are just off screen but you know exactly what they're doing and it's just pushing that envelope closer and closer to an AO, which is adults only level. It's at M right now, but there are things going on that you know what's going on, even if you don't see every bit of it. Well, and I think that there may be a lot of Dungeons and Dragons fans out there that are not interested in this game because of that content. Yeah. And so they, you know, might fairly automatically click the no nudity right. option. But if you're a parent and you think, oh, you know, I'm not crazy about a fantasy role-playing sort of worldview, but we've talked about it. This is a whole nother layer of content that if you're not paying attention, um, your child could be exposed to. And it almost feels at times as if it's designed for 15-year-old boys. Yeah. You know, because of that titillation factor that that probably a lot of adults would say, "Eh." yeah. Well, and I think there's another layer here that is hugely significant for where we're at culturally. Um, I've mentioned a couple times now that we're sort of reflecting and reinforcing cultural mores. And I think on the most basic level, uh, and I've talked with my son about this, I don't want, you know, kids engaging with this content visually. And then there's the idea of role-playing sort of sexual situations. But I think... Even more basic than that, I think it's reinforcing the idea that our sexuality is just like an avatar in a video game. Yeah, that we can design it, it's that malleable. we can choose it, that yeah. it's malleable. Uh, and I think that we're seeing that culturally. Um, and I want to be careful here in, in how I say this, but I think it feels like we're in this moment where our sexuality is just another level of of customization for us. Yeah. Right. And we can choose to another be, level of play. Another in level some of cases. play. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, when you do these mixed gender builds, um, there is a, I, the game sort of lifts it up as, as a fun concept, as right. a fun part of something you can do. Right. And, and so I think there are some people that may go in with no intention to go in this direction at all, but find it, interesting and compelling and how that spills over into their real life i can't say well and i just think that broader concept of a customizable avatar you know that there's a digital representation of myself that when we play around with that when we maybe try on a different identity or a different sexual expression in a game it's not the same as doing it in the real world, but it may well contribute to a worldview where we see that as, oh, you know, I've, I have practiced this. I have gone through that process in a game. And so the idea of doing it in real life suddenly doesn't feel maybe as weird or as shocking or as out of bounds. Yeah. And we should also mention that lightly connected to that, 
are all the choices that you can make within the context of the game. Right, just from a moral perspective. Yeah, just making, because you do, you make moral choices throughout this game that sort of shape you as a good or a bad person. And see, I think in a way that reflects a little bit of what we want to inject there. Now, I personally, even when I'm trying to play sort of a bad guy, I have a hard time doing bad things. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but there's just Sometimes you have to play the bad guy role because you're reviewing the game and you want to see what happens. And, And there are just moments where I think, man, I don't want to kill that person. I don't want to be mean or angry or nasty to somebody. And it's very difficult to do, but I don't know if that's the case in a, with everyone. I, I don't know if if these kinds of experiences can have a negative impact. And I think what Bob is describing is something that we talk about a lot, which is the heart issue behind yeah. when you do this stuff. Um, because I think, you know, you can play through Baldur's Gate 3, never have a nude scene, never right. do anything morally wrong, <laughs> you know, and you can have just a fine time as well. Uh, same thing with Skyrim and Mass Effect and those and those games where you can likewise customize your character, do all that yeah. stuff. Um, and so I think, like I said, it comes down to the heart posture behind it. Where you, I am personally of the opinion that you know the first time you play a game is more representative of who you are as a person than any subsequent playthrough, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you'd like to admit it or not. Um, because I think you have that first run through where you're like, who am I in this world? Mm. And then the second run through is more of a, well, let's see what happens if I do this. You know, Mm. it's more of an exploratory time the second time through. Um, and so I think, you know, it just, it really comes down to the player because I, it it is like D and D where you can, you can play D and D, you can, if you wanted to, you could never have any instance of magic or these gods or, you, you could technically not even have any violence. Yeah. It probably wouldn't be as fun if you didn't have any combat, but <laughs> but you could technically play D&D like that. But you can also play it the exact opposite way where it's just, no, the entire campaign is based around sex and violence. But I think ultimately you're absolutely correct. Uh, parents and gamers need to go into this game recognizing that there are some potential problems Mm -hmm. that can impact their kids if they're letting their kids play, uh, that can impact themselves if they're playing. And here's another little thing that I've always said. I really believe that if you're going to let your kids play this game... Play it with them. Play it. Yeah. Yeah. Get in there and see what they're playing, see what they're seeing, and get a pretty good idea of what this game is communicating, what it's delivering to them. Because if you know, then it's easier for you to say, hmm, this might be a problem. Yeah. And here's why. Let's talk about why this is a problem. Yeah. And we should also say that this is a game that you can play solo and there is an option to do multiplayer as well. Is that right? right? Yes. Uh, I think it's designed primarily as a single player and then you have these other characters that you pull in. It's not an MMORPG, you know, it's not one of these it's massive... It's not World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's nothing like that. But you can play it as a multiplayer team. You know, you, you can bring in, like, one other friend if you want. Yeah. And then the other people on your team are, are NPCs. Um, non-player, non-player characters. Non-player characters. <laughs> uh, and, and then, or you can have four friends, you know, where the four of you play as a team all the way through the game. Which is how I've experienced That's right, it. yeah. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. There's a lot to unpack here. And I want to end by saying that as we talk about different forms of entertainment and media, you've probably heard us say at one point, 
different kinds of entertainment influence us differently. Mm -hmm. Watching a movie is different than listening to a song. That's different than playing through a video game that how long does it take to play through the core story? Have you seen estimates on that? Is it like 50 hours, 100 hours? I never made it through all the way to the end before I reviewed it. But it's a beast of a game. It's huge. It can literally be hundreds of hours. So I, I think it's just important to understand, even apart from the content and worldview concerns, this is an immersive game. Yeah. And some players, some kids, some of us even as adults, you know, there's a vulnerability there to get sucked into that fantasy world yeah. in a way that even the amount of time we spend there can be unhealthy. And so there's a lot to consider here. There are some things that, you know, might raise fairly large red flags. We can play the game, you know, with that most extreme content turned off. But I love what you said, Bob, that if you have, you know, an older teen, I think, who's interested in playing, get in there with them and have a conversation about it and just be talking about it. And that's what we want to emphasize at Plugged In is just be aware, be engaged, be having that conversation and then the back and forth comparing that to, well, what do we believe? And given what we believe as Christians, is this a story that we want to engage with? Right, so right. thanks, guys. There was a lot to cover there. But uh, hopefully if you have a young video gamer or D&D fan in your family, this has given you more information to make the best decision possible for your family. Thanks. Well, in our second segment today, Kristen Smith is here to talk with us about Olivia Rodrigo's latest hit, Bad Idea, right? Hey, Kristen. Hi. So, Olivia Rodrigo, before we dive into the song itself, what do we need to know about this young woman who's, she's 20. I mean, she hasn't been around that long. On Earth? Man, well, yeah, well, on the scene, but on Earth in, you know, a geological sense, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about Olivia. Um, Well, she was a former Disney star. Boy, that's where they all start, I know, and and we've talked about her before, so I I don't feel like, I don't know how much we need to deep dive into this, but former Disney star turned into what she is now. And it seems like a lot of these Disney stars start in this, like, fairly innocent realm, and then they grow up in the public eye which is probably very difficult to do. And then, you know, you get your heart broken a couple times and you start to rethink your life. Um, and it seems like this is kind of where we are with this song. Bad idea, right? Um, yeah. What's going on in the song? Uh, so it doesn't she, sound good because bad is right in the title. So right? it's not just us, right? <laughs> um, no, she is contemplating getting back with an ex-boyfriend, oh which she indeed does. Um, and so the video is kind of like, getting back together in what way? I mean, does she want to like take to him, him to meet the parents? No, 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 no. 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 Yeah. There's no meeting the parents. No, they there. plan on having sex. And so the kind of like the storyline here, at least in the video, it's like this 90s grunge kind of throwback. And she is with friends at a party. Everyone's drinking, throwing up, making out. And then Lovely. she's trying to decide if she wants to get with this guy. And she decides she does. And so she makes her way in some questionable outfit choices to his apartment. Um, and it doesn't show anything in the video. He's like this like lit up burning character. You, you can't even see a body. And I think it represents the fact that she knows that this is a bad choice, right? Like this is where things go to burn, but she does it anyway. Um, as far as the lyrics are concerned, this is kind of interesting because if you've listened to some of the original Olivia Rodrigo when she started, she is very talented vocally. 
She has an incredible voice. That's like without question. And so I think it's very appealing for younger girls to listen to her. She looks very young because she is very young, but she even looks younger than her age. And so you have these girls kind of growing up with her as I did with Taylor Swift. Her first song came out when she was like, what, 16? I think so, yeah. Um, And so they're growing up listening to her. And now she's entering this world of like very poor choices, but not just poor choices because lots of people sing about those, but a lot of profanity. Yeah. And so her last song. She seems really angry to me. Is that a fair um, this one is generalization? Kind of, yeah. I would say like the last song was like this. This one is kind of like, I'm going to do whatever I want and we're going to have fun with it. Okay. And let me throw in like really harsh profanity while I do it. And that was the same as her last song that we talked about. Um, but this one, man, I don't know. It just it feels more harsh because of it. Because she's making all these flippant choices and there's no like, hey, on the other side of this, these are the actual consequences that come from making choices like right. this. Of course, that's not talked about in a song. Right. Um, it's just like, this is fun. And I mean, it feels like it's it's sort of glorifying recklessness. Is 100%. that a, a fair generalization? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think like, regardless of whether you've made choices like this in your own personal life, I would say all parents do not want their kids making these kinds of choices. The goal is to direct them away from the bad choices you made as a teen not to glorify the fact that it was done and then sing about it well and i want you to talk just a little bit about you know you're married you're a mom now and you bring married mom perspective to the table which is part of the reason you're here so yeah yeah. it's good to have the married mom perspective (laughs) yeah but how would you have received this when you were 16 or 17 like would it have had a negative influence on you do you think the thing is i think it depends on what kind of teenager you were yeah you know like I I went through a stage as a teenager where like I didn't get into any trouble as a teen but it was really early college where you know I got my heart broken and I started to want to do those similar things like just have a I don't care mentality across the board yeah and then you know you listen to music that fuels that mentality and I've had and it seems like just a normal thing Like, I'm now going through my crazy phase. Yes, yeah. This is a normal phase that everyone goes through. But my prayer now as a parent is that my kids don't have to, they don't feel the need to go through those same stages and that I can have some wisdom in directing them away from that, you know? Well, as we continually really focus on here at the Plugged In Show, I think the goal is relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were all teens. Most of us probably had some experiences that to this day our parents may not know about. Yeah. I'm not naive in that sense, but I am hopeful that we can approach this process wanting to build relationship and to talk and to keep those lines of communication open so that when our kids are mad, when they're hurt, you know, uh, one of my children has gone through a rejection recently. And thankfully, I think, as far as I can tell, we're talking about it in a really healthy way. Yeah. And I think you set the emotional thermostat of your home, the yeah. tone of your home. Right. And it it doesn't help to act like these things never happen because right. that's not true. But to walk through it and not normalize these kinds of decisions or this yeah. sort of behavior, you know. And it is affecting kids way younger than 100%. you think yeah. it should. You know, my eighth grader has some friends who she has found out are making some really bad choices. Mm -hmm. And it's staggering to me, the conversation we have had about what 12 and 13 year olds are doing and, and what they think is normal. And I think unfortunately 
because Olivia Rodrigo is so likable and mm-hmm. relatable, mm-hmm. it reinforces the idea that, oh, this is just normal, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't show 10 years down the road, right. wow, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Because I now have the mental capacity to process it and I'm not living yeah. in the moment. You know, I'm reflecting. Yeah. All right. So that is Olivia Rodrigo and the song is Bad Idea. Right? right? <laughs> Actually, Olivia, yeah, it was a bad idea. So thanks for playing. And Kristen, thanks for coming to talk with us about this artist and this song today. Anytime. Well, now it's time for a segment of our show we call Name That Movie. And if you're wondering what's it about, it's about naming that movie. Each of us has to give a <laughs> sentence or two, a log line, as it's called in the biz. The biz. Humorously and mm, cryptically describing the movie that we're talking about, but not too cryptic because, you know, things that we can't guess ultimately aren't that fun. And this week, since we've been talking about games, I thought it would be fun to do some sort of a game-related movie, however you want to define that. So do I have a volunteer to go first? Kristen, Yeah, I want to go first. Lead us off. Okay, here we go, guys. My movie is about two tiny Italian men. Who gets sucked Super into Mario Bros. A, a different world. Oh, you had me at Tiny Italian Men. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was mine. That was perfect. I know. Perfect. It was Tiny well, Italian Men well played. With tools. Well played. Yeah, thank you. Bob, Kennedy, who wants to go, go first? Do you I'll want go. to flip a coin for it? Okay. All right. Uh, and again, just log line thing here. A daughter dreams of a small town filled with fog and creepy nurses. Is this uh, Silent Hill? Yes. yes. You guys. Wow. Any... I was like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. No. The fog. No. <laughs> I mean, I was going lots of different you, directions. You said fog and nurses, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. hold on. That was the key. Those creepy nurses. I just want who's to literally read everything. Yeah. Like, aren't you so into it when you read it? You're like, oh, what could be, what yeah, could be next? Yeah, I'd like Foose to be a kind of the the Stanley Parable yeah, narrator, the narrator of, of my life. life. He's our yeah, before you make a bad choice in say, your head, say you this. hear him. In a world. No. <laughs> All right, Kennedy. Kennedy. A man attempts to buy the rights to a game, but another country attempts to block him. Oh. Oh, this is Tetris, right? This is Tetris. Oh, okay. Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. what? Yeah, they made a video game actually about the story of the making the, of the Tetris. Movies. What's it called? Tetris. Tetris. No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know but that was a movie. But it's not really about Tetris the game. It's Tetris the backstory of the making of That's the game. That's fascinating. And so you can check out a review on Tetris if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. uh, a brief summary is that he does go, uh, it was made in the Soviet Union, and they were the not, uh, the government was not very keen on uh, selling it out to a lot of the Western countries. And so when he came and he tried to do it in the person, the Russians wanted to keep Tetris very, for themselves. Very intense. <laughs> so good. All right, are you ready for mine? Ready. Yeah. I think you'll be able to get it. In this action comedy classic, a friendly pirated game of missile command goes very, very wrong, and Ferris Bueller is going to need more than a day off to solve this problem. Thankfully, there's a guy named Dabney there to help. More games. War Games yeah. <laughs> from 1983. That is correct. You didn't have to throw in Ferris Bueller, though. No, I know, but he I was just, knew. you know, I, I like to have fun. I'm as interested in having fun as I am trying to stump anybody. So, but you had it at Missile Command gone awry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So that brings us to a close of another rousing round of Name That Movie. Thank you for your participation. I think we're all winners here today. No. <laughs> no? We don't play that game. All winners. This is all not right, a I'll bring you your wins. trophy next week since you I didn't first. win. It was, I don't know. Okay. We know. Right. You guys tell us. Who won? Who was the winner? Who was the we best? We want to know. All right. They yeah. work. They get. They guess. The I like right, that. Yeah. And you know, if you want to tell us who the winner was, if you want to share some thoughts on Baldur's Gate three or Olivia Rodrigo and and her music, we would love to hear from you. And you can do that a couple of different ways. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And we want to remind you that we have a little black tab on our page, thepluggedinshow.com page, where you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, We would love to have you do that. And we might even use your voice on a future episode. So let us know what you think. And we would also encourage you to sign up for our weekly plugged in e-newsletter. Each Friday, you'll get links to our latest reviews, blogs, and of course, the plugged in show. And you'll find a link to sign up for the e-news in the episode notes for today's show. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week. We love getting together with you each week and talking about the things that our culture and our kids are dealing with in the realm of entertainment and technology. And we hope this has been an encouraging and informative time. We look forward to joining you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio.